Okay. Welcome back to Luna Seco Coffee Chats. I'm Jules. And I'm Katie. Yes, you are. And you may notice right now that you can see us again. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they can notice that. That'll be good. Hopefully. <laughs> Unless you're literally listening to this on Spotify because you can't see us because that's a literal podcast. But if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see our beautiful faces again. We have a new uh, podcast setup. So I still like to do some more at the lake, but this is a higher audio quality. We've got both of our Yetis. We've got two webcams. So we're going to work on having a nice film location here at the RV. And we've managed to figure out at the very least to, to get us two separate screens and two different rooms. Pretty proud of ourselves. Yes, yeah, so we're moving up. <laughs> we are. We're moving up in the world. So today we are going to be talking about essentially some of the noise, the extra noise in marketing advice across almost every niche and business type. I feel like there is a lot of noise around the 5 million to-do list uh, that you should have. And if you don't, your business is going to fail. And so we're going to talk about the myth and mis misconception around that mm -hmm. energy. There's 5 million voices coming at you besides 5 million ways to do things. It's kind of hard to know what voice to listen to. Very much. And we still affirm very much that the only real voice that you should listen to at the end of the day is your higher self, your internal voice. If you are into human design like we are, that would be listening to your authority and your strategy over... Mm -hmm. Absolutely everything else. I agree. Totally. Obviously, we believe that you should mainly focus on your authority and your strategy for figuring out what's right for you. Exactly. So let's just talk a little bit about, again, this is going to be a point that we're going to hammer home, but the old marketing versus new marketing. And, right. But I believe that the old marketing is still very much aligned with you need 500 arms and they all need to be doing 500 different things and if you don't do that you're not serious about your business you're not going to be successful in your business xyz again bullshit mm -hmm. <laughs> it's that whole mentality of let's judge everyone that we see and then yes. maybe we'll feel better about ourselves i don't know what the thing is i really don't <laughs> well and it's interesting it plays into we were having a discussion earlier today about the fact that people feel entitled to how you look, how you feel mm -hmm. in your body, how you show up in the world. And I feel like this is piggybacking on that idea because yeah. you had brought up earlier that you felt like this one gal who is not a perfect size two, that people were almost upset that she was being successful. Um, because she wasn't their perfect ideal. And I think that the same thing happens in almost every area because I think it is a similar mentality of I'm quote unquote prettier or I'm quote unquote skinnier or I'm quote unquote busier. And if you're not being successful when you think that you're better than, that you get upset with people that are doing it with what is in your mind less. <laughs> again the bs of it because and this is my main beef 
and we've talked about this a lot too, with old school marketing and with 3D marketing is that it is all based around this is what I did or Susie Joe down the street did. And therefore, this is the only way forward. Yeah. Go ahead. It's like they want to make themselves the expert in that area. So everybody should listen to them because I have decided I am the expert in this area. But not everyone is made the same. Not everyone needs to do the same thing. They just mm -hmm. don't. No. And I think it is an interesting echo chamber that's created because mm -hmm. even, for instance, say I am a hypothetical coach and I have coached 1,000 clients. Right. And these 1,000 clients, let's say I'm a really great coach with my method. 90% of them have found success with my method, right? That is an echo chamber that makes absolutely zero sense of this will get you results too, which is the mindset. Like that person did it and they helped that many people do it too, that this will work for me as well. One of the key things of marketing is finding your ideal clients and finding people that fit with how you coach, how you do service. It doesn't matter if you're a bookkeeper or a coach or a website designer. You're looking for people that you can get on the same wavelength as. Right. And so yeah. that is a very big echo chamber to say the 1,000 people that were 100% my ideal client that probably have a lot of similarities with me found success with this so everybody else will find success the same way. Yeah, it's, it's actually silly to even think of it that way. But the truth of the matter is, is each and every one of us puts out a vibration with our voice. And that vibration either resonates with other people or it doesn't resonate with other people. And if you try to follow the voice of someone whose voice truthfully didn't resonate with you, you just decided they said they were experts, I guess I'll just have to follow them. Your voice isn't going to be authentic as it comes across to the mm -hmm. people you're trying to attract. And therefore, you won't attract them. No matter how hard you work, no matter how many social media accounts you're using or trying to send out how much information, it has to be authentically you. I agree. The authenticity piece is something that we talked about last week, and it is still the most important part of marketing. It's still the most important part of your marketing is who you are, what speaks to you. and. Also, I think a huge part of this is very few of these marketers are talking to the business owner that is just getting started, where right. maybe you don't even have a home office. You're finding one hour here, 20 minutes there, 10 minutes here in whatever room you can find during your lunch break before or after work while the kids are in bed whatever the case may be. And most of these marketers are not really speaking to that type of business owner. They are speaking to somebody that, let's face it, one, is trying to get money from you. But B, a lot of times they're talking to people that are scaling upwards of 10 employees. Yeah. Right? And if you have 10 employees, you might have a, a dedicated social media team member. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you have a dedicated social media team member, you should be posting five times on LinkedIn and, and 10 times on and yada, yada. 
But the chances are, if you're just starting out, you're not in that position. You haven't gotten to a place where that makes sense for you. And I feel like the people that listen the most to that type of advice are the people on their couch, on their lunch break, and they get so overwhelmed so quickly that they end up failing because they can't even really start. Yeah, before they even get started. You're right. Because they're like, I can't do this. I try and I'd be giving up every single moment of my day in order to get it done. And I don't know what to say anyways. <laughs> and a lot of times what they're doing is they're taking the same the same video or the same picture or whatever it is uh-huh. and putting it on every single social media account they have. And that actually drowns your voice. It really, because each of the social medias have their own algorithms and they can tell whether that's what's happening and they will just, they'll drown your media. I know I saw that was a really big thing when people were just directly sharing from TikTok to Instagram Reels and YouTube Mm -hmm. shorts and wondering why that wasn't really working. And it is the algorithms can tell if there's like a watermark from a different social media platform. Yes. It can tell from the metadata from the video, especially if you copy directly from that social media. But even if it's not, it is repeating, repeating content. And a lot of social media is leaning into SEO, not just algorithm. And the SEO, I guess, better way of saying that is the SEO is high up in how the algorithm is working now. For instance, Instagram used to be very important about hashtags. That was the big thing. And every marketer and their brother would tell you to have 30 of those little suckers Mm -hmm. at the end of your post. And then people like, at the end of the post is ugly. Make it your first comment. Yeah. Yada, yada. (laughs) That is no longer true. So if you're, if this is news to you, 30 hashtags are not really going to be the best strategy for you anymore. That was maybe four years ago (laughs) but it's definitely not in 2023 it's definitely not going into 2024 the biggest thing in instagram is seo keywords and those keywords are now not only in your caption those keywords are being pulled from the transcript of your video and that is one of the reasons that people are transcribing putting captions on their videos those words are being read by the new instagram ai algorithm and youtube has always been an SEO optimized algorithm, always has been. A lot of people seem to forget YouTube is owned by Google, the world's largest search engine. And YouTube at its core is a search engine. In fact, fun fact, especially for those of you with local businesses, the best way to rank on for local SEO is to have a YouTube video that ranks for keywords around your business with local keywords such as the city that you're in. And similar thing, YouTube reads the captions. It reads the transcripts. It is important if you are not have. there's no excuse for not having captions on your videos, by the way, especially with things like Descript, Podcastle, Adobe Premiere, DaVinci Resolve. They all have text-based editing. Those text-based editing is based off of transcribing your videos, and all of those can go into subtitle files. Um, And all of those are being used. The AI algorithms are looking for keywords, not just in the text on the page, Mm -hmm. but they are looking in the videos. They're looking in the audio. And it is more important than ever 
to be aligned with your brand and messaging. If you want to know what the real golden ticket here is, it's not posting 500 times across every single social media platform you can find. That's not it. It's not spamming your Facebook groups. It's not posting 200 stories to your Instagram. It is getting a thousand percent clear on who you are targeting, who you want to work for, who you want to work with, and what your brand values are. And I know brand values and business mission. A lot of people hear those words and think that they are filler for a business plan for an investor that you will never pitch, right? Business plans, traditional business plans, if you are an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or a coach service provider is basically a waste of time unless you're looking for investors. Business plan is not something that you're going to be using in literally any other facet of your business. But finding your brand mission and your brand values is very important. And what that looks like in practical real world terms is the language you use when you talk about your niche. Yeah. Yeah, What are the words you say over and over again? For us, Mm -hmm. some of our brand values include authenticity. Yes, you probably have heard us say it many times. Many times. Another one of our brand values is allowing and receiving. In other words, what is the path of least resistance is the phrase that really embodies both of those ideals. Abundance in all things, way, shape, and form. Know yourself. And know yourself. Yeah, very much so. Know yourself. And with the abundance piece, it's the fact that there is abundance for everybody. There's enough food at the table for everyone. There is. And those are our brand values. And you will hear us talk about and around and use those metaphors, use those sayings in almost every podcast, in almost every post. It is present in some way, shape, or form because that those are our brand values. That is mm-hmm. the language we use when we discuss who we're trying to help and how we're trying to help them. And the thing with that is, is you may be starting off with just you, okay? Mm-hmm. And that still means that you should be allowing those brand values to come through on everything you say. But as you continue to grow, you want those brand values known by your whole company. Mm -hmm. You want everyone that works for you to know those brand values and to use them as well in everything that they're doing and saying, because you want consistency and you want authenticity. Preach. And that's where, and the brand mission is basically a short statement that just plays into your brand values. Mm-hmm. It might be my mission is to help human beings, amazing human beings, find abundance in working for themselves. Yes. It can yes. be that simple. It could be, I want, I'm a woman that wants to help women. That's great. With a little piece on, maybe piece on the how. Maybe you want to help women find financial freedom. That can be a mission. It can be that simple. But that statement will be the foundation of everything you do moving yes. forward. Yeah. And those are the two pieces that really feed into things like SEO, things like algorithm, right? Because those are the things that actually mean something to you. Mm-hmm. You're going to talk about them. You're going to talk about them with passion. You're going to talk about them a lot. And when you do, that is energetic SEO. Yeah, I know I want people, I want to help people know themselves. I really do. That's probably my main 
uh, desire in life is to help other people get to know themselves. Because I know that for many years of my own life, I really wasn't that certain of who I was. And it really clears up your life. It clears up your path. It clears up what you want in life, what your passion is, what your main concern is, or your authenticity is. You cannot be authentic if you don't know yourself. It's so true. And you can't easily pull in your ideal clients if you don't know who you no. are. No. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but um, hot take time. This is the hot take podcast. <laughs> similar to the idea that you don't need 30 hashtags and similar to the idea that you don't need to be on every social media platform. As far as your ideal clients go, there are two pieces to this that I, I find interesting. One piece is that I think your business should be more about who you are authentically yes. and genuinely. And I think if you put that out there, the perfect people to work with you will come on their own. Mm -hmm. Similar to that. the fact that I don't dig the pain point marketing anymore because I think, and again, this is for me and presumably other people that are listening to this because if you're listening to this, you're probably digging more awakened, more spiritually whole, more mentally healthy individuals as well. But pain point marketing, I have to go, I have to dig to get in touch yeah. with anything that would even come close to resonating with pain yeah. point marketing. It would take me so much to dig into the trenches because that's not something that's at the forefront of my mind. Like pain and quote unquote mm -hmm. problem isn't at the forefront of my mind. And what I've been seeing with clients coming in is less of, yes, there's still the piece of solve a problem. I have a problem. I'm coming to you because that's your thing. But there's more of a synergistic energy that I've been noticing of I have a problem and I want to work with somebody that has a similar mission to me. I want to work with somebody that gets me, somebody that sees me, that understands what I'm going for, that understands what I'm trying to do. And I think that pain point marketing doesn't feed into that synergy. It Because again, I think a lot more people are hiring service providers, coaches, et cetera, et cetera, and buying from brands that have more of an energetic match to them. I think yeah. we are leaning in to, I honestly believe, and we talk a little bit about this. If you watch anybody that talks about human design, we're all talking about 2027 because 2027 is a huge energetic shift. We're shifting into a new incarnation cross and that incarnation cross or in astrology, we're talking about Uranus, Uranus changing transits. It's truly the age of Aquarius and we are breaking down old systems that are no longer working. And we are shifting from money grab, money grab to how can I feel good while working with other people that feel good? It's being focused more around well-being instead of materialism. And I am already seeing that with how people are choosing to work with me and who I'm choosing to work with yeah. as well. And I think a lot more people, a lot more business owners, and I think this is also because of the fact that entrepreneurism, entrepreneurism? something like that <laughs> and solopreneurs and people working for themselves gig economy etc cetera, etc cetera. like we're seeing corporations i think we're going to see a lot of corporations start falling in big ways as we start gearing more toward working with people not corporations not companies 
And I'm seeing a lot of, of people wanting to build a community where, okay, this person does, this person does that. I'm going to recommend you to other people that need that. I'm doing this for you. You're doing this for me. And I think it's amazing that we're weirdly, mm-hmm. because people are talking a lot about community and with the online culture that we're not having as much community. And I'm seeing that we're building new communities. I think it's just a new way of having community and having synergy across different humans. And to me, there is no way, shape or form that new marketing going into 2027 and beyond is going to be about hustle or burnout or struggle or force or duality. Mm. I'm sorry, but the whole divine feminine, divine masculine marketing also makes me really nauseous. The divine doesn't really, the idea that source energy, divine, God, whatever you want to call it, it's, it is pure energy. There's no gender, right? There's no gender to that energy. And so to play into these quote unquote roles of divine feminine, divine masculine is old school also, in my opinion, sorry, BS. Mm-hmm. And it feeds into so many freaking stereotypes around what it is to be a man and what it is to be mm-hmm. a woman. And we have always been beings that have had both sides. If you listen to Jung, if you listen to Greek mythology and beyond, there has even yin and yang, right? There's always been two sides of the coin in every single human being. And so the idea that you have to play into what genitals you have and that's how your energy is really going to flow best is so bizarre to me. I so agree. Bizarre. I agree. And it is the, the it is probably the main thing that separates people. It is yeah. I think it's the cause of separation between people throughout mm-hmm. the world. You see the them and us mentality mm-hmm. going on all the time. And it is time for that to fall. And I think where it has to fall to is us actually recognizing the frequencies that others are putting out so that we actually resonate with the people who are our people. And it doesn't matter what their genitals are. (laughs) No, it does not. (laughs) I really don't care to know. But it's just, it doesn't matter. Rather have, you know, it doesn't really matter what their pronouns are. Not saying that pronouns don't matter. If you have attachment to your pronouns, I think you should be called those pronouns. But I agree. The only reason that there is a right. different term for being a quote unquote man or a quote unquote woman, the only reason that gendered pronouns and terms exist was to other. It was honestly, if we're being very honest, it was so that women could be treated differently than men and not in the good way. Yes. Or certain types of men to be treated less than other types of men and certain women are assuming. It is othering and I don't think it has anything to do with energy because energy is not divided into two different shapes of flow. No. There is flow. That would be like saying some rivers are boys and some rivers are girls. How would you tell? Good question. <laughs> Please let me know how that works. Because I can swim in, in, in the mall, whatever. Getting into the very specific topic of this person's overwhelm was, and this was specific with books, which some of you don't know, but I did book design before getting back into web design. 
and they were got off a coaching call where the person said you need 20 books before you're gonna make a full-time income this is not a random number by the way this comes from 20 books to 50k which was started by a gentleman who started self-publishing in the infancy of amazon when you could literally put up like a solid color with aerial font on the front that just said this is book it is good with your name <laughs> and it would sell because there were essentially very few ebooks available and if it was a dollar people are like sure i'll try it out and he published a book and figured out yeah. that after i think about a month that those sales would cover his retirement if he had 20 that performed similarly and that's how 20 books to 50k got started and then there's an offshoot that's 100 books wait no 50 books to 100k is its offshoot and there are plenty of people that are in that group and that have been in that group that have had similar number of success which i think is largely based on expectation if i'm being honest and also support from the community there's a lot of support they do 20 books to 50k in vegas every year there's a lot of support in that community. But I do think similarly to when a doctor tells you have six months to live and you live six months because there's an expectation that you've decided yes. that is accurate. I think for a lot of people in those groups that they don't hit those numbers until they have 20 books because that's their expectation of what's going to happen. And the thing that is always crazy about this to me is there are authors still to this day that publish a book five books on amazon and they're making 100k a year still yeah. happens yeah. there are authors that write a single book go viral on tiktok and could be millionaires by 2025 and have a book made about yeah. it there are for goodness sakes there there are authors that started on whatpad that now have a five movie franchise to their name okay and people weren't even paying them for those in the original days okay it's ridiculous to tell somebody, oh, I haven't read your book and I know very little about you, but I can tell you for sure you need 20 books under your belt before you'll make a dime. It's a very right. weird thing to say. And it is the same thing as saying you need to be posting six times on Instagram a day, five times on LinkedIn, three times on Facebook. You need to be doing 10 TikTok videos a day and 20 Instagram stories or you're never going to break a 5k month but the thing is that each of those social media platforms have a different audience yeah and therefore not every audience that they're talking about is actually your people that you're looking what? for the people who would be interested in what you're putting up so it's convoluted to be expecting that you're going to get much coverage from that area or get a lot of people who are going to do it. It just, it seems like it's a waste of your time if you're sitting wanting to reach out to the youth of the of the world and you're putting everything on LinkedIn. It's right. just not going to be your main place to go, more than likely. Mm -hmm. Not saying that the youth of the world aren't on LinkedIn, but a good majority are not going to be going there if they're looking for someone to mentor them in, yeah. in things that have to do with their age. And that's just the thing. You need to not only know you, but if you're going to be getting into this, don't just listen to anybody. You don't know what their audience was, their target yes. audience was. 
think about what your target audience is and do the research. Always mm -hmm. do the research yourself. And one of my big additional pet peeves, there's so many pet peeves in this podcast episode, but one of the other pet peeves that I have is there are people that in the, we'll stick with the author metaphor or, or scenario for now. There are coaches, book coaches in some of these groups. I'm not going to name names, obviously, but there are some coaches, book coaches in these groups that published 15 books in 2013 and started making 20K a month running $1 Facebook ads, right? And they are promoting <laughs> the exact same strategy that they used in 2013 and 2023, telling you it should work the same. Even though Facebook has changed dramatically, ad cost has changed yeah. dramatically. The yeah. market of ebooks has changed dramatically. The interest in certain genres of those ebooks have changed dramatically. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely insane. And I, a very good illustration of this, I think, is actually traditional publishing that is being murdered by self publishing at the right. moment for good reason. And I'm hoping what will happen is they'll see the coming wave and they'll start adapting, but we'll see. <laughs> But you see this with a lot of especially female women authors that are of color, women of color authors, is they had amazing stories to tell. They would take it to traditional publishing and they'd say, we don't have an audience for that. Mm. Right. Could you add some more white people maybe? Because we don't have an audience for that. God forbid there was a biracial romance in your sci-fi oh, novel or your romance novel. Right. And what happened with self-publishing? Those women of color self-published and became millionaires. You mm -hmm. want to know why? Because there was a fucking audience for them. There was. And traditional publishing said that there wasn't because they weren't paying attention to the fact that tides change. They and sure this do. is the key thing. And it, I think it's frustrating and confusing for so many people because they're going, OK, Jules, then what marketing person do I listen to? Because most of these marketing professionals, marketing experts, have 10, 20 years in the industry. And so are the, is what they're recommending going to work for me or not? And sure, and a lot of them have new clients coming in. They try new strategies and they adapt and they add it in. And I think the key answer here is listening to your inner voice, listening to your authority, listening to your strategy, listening to your higher self. Pull a card on that shit. Do a pendulum reading. Whatever you need to do to get in touch with you. Because it is hard for me to sit here as a marketing person, as a coach, and say, I can't tell you it's going to work for you. If you hop on a call, I can probably tell you it's not going to work for you, especially, and give you some ideas of what will. But uh, anonymous person that I'm talking to in this podcast, pretty hard for me to say without a doubt. Even if I was to say, oh, you're a manifesting generator, then this strategy isn't going to work. There are is always a possibility that a strategy is going to resonate with you. And I think the key mm -hmm. thing is if you tap into your authority in human design, if you hear something that resonates, feels good, you tap into your authority, vibe it out. So if you're a generator, you're getting that huh from your sacral. If you're an emotional authority, you're going through the wave, seeing if it stays a yes, stays a no, or gets wiffly waffly. If it's wiffly waffly, that's also a no. And if you're a, a reflector, you're waiting your lunar cycle, et cetera. And if you listen to that authority, I think I can say very confidently that's going to be the only answer that's 100% right for you. 
Yeah. And and listen, if it is wiffly waffly, you might want to change the answer too when it comes to marketing because it might say you're asking your inner authority, should I post on Instagram three times a day and do one TikTok video a day? And you might feel wiffly waffly because TikTok isn't meant for you, but the Instagram is or vice versa. Get very specific. Same thing if you're doing a card reading or a pendulum reading. Get so specific. I always think of it when you're asking questions of your intuition or doing a card reading or anything else. It's like making a deal with the devil. You want to be uber literal and uber specific about what you're asking about because there are so many shades of gray that can confuse answers on things. Are you saying talking to a genie and giving them yes. your three wishes, but you weren't really specific enough? Is that yeah. what we're talking about? And I like so much so with like law of attraction, any type of conscious creation, as well as asking your intuition. But yeah, be over specific, like really think that shit out before you ask. But that's really the only way you're going to really figure it out. And my biggest advice, especially of late, has been done is better than perfect something Mm -hmm. I struggle with, something Katie struggles with. Done is always better than perfect. So my key thing about the overwhelm is it stops you from doing anything, right? There's ADHD paralysis, and that can happen with if you're not neurodivergent too. But there's an overwhelm paralysis that can happen. And so if it's overwhelming, the answer is no, because you're not going to be able to do it. If it sounds like something that would make you puke or cry on a daily basis, probably isn't meant for you. No, that's not the path of least resistance to put yourself into a really stressful situation is never the path of least resistance. But I would say that if you have someone like Jules that you can talk to one on one, and really let them know what it is that you're trying to attract, then you can get some advice as to what's going to be best for you. But, you know, um, still, always make sure that you also uh, check in with your higher self. Yeah. And I think a good strategist is going to say, does this feel right to you? Does this feel like a good solution? Does this feel like something that is going to work for you? Does this feel doable? Does this feel like something that we can make a lifestyle change? And those are the things that I'm looking for. Because, again, if all you can do, if all you can work on is one area, one social media platform, one type of social media content, maybe you don't feel comfortable on video, but you're a really good writer. Then blogging, mm-hmm. threads, X, go to threads. We don't want to swear the other Anyway, text-based is going to be a lot better for you. Facebook is more yes. text-based still. If you are better on video, Instagram Reels, TikTok, YouTube Shorts. If you're good with audio but not video, podcasts. Maybe you're good with audio and video, still podcast. Find something that you feel like people connect you on. Because I talk to so many people, and this really does relate to human design with your centers that are open, closed, et cetera. But I talk to a lot of people, and for instance, one of my clients does better on phone calls because she can't communicate as well via texting or even typing. So she mm-hmm. needs to have a phone call because she can't get across the same idea. And we're and she's trying to figure out how to do blogging, which, by the way, if you're the same way as that client speech to text. I always want to say text to speech because we're constantly on Descript. 
Speech to text is your best friend and it is becoming so good. The recognition for speech to text in Google, in the regular Google Doc, is pretty darn good. It's better than Dragon was years ago. Mm. Just open up a Google Doc, find the speech to text, and go ahead and get out your ideas, your raw ideas. Get out some paragraphs, take voice notes, plug it in, and then you can edit it from there. And a lot of times you might be better at editing than you are at writing if you can get your generalized thoughts out or use AI. You've got a a mess of notes now. Hop into Write Sonic. Hop into ChatGPT. Hop into Jasper and say, I have this mess of ideas. Make it cohesive. Make it a blog. And then you can edit that blog. So there's so many ways. There's so many ways. And you have to find what works for you. I know that there's people that, again, that are exact opposite. They have to write it and they don't want to have a phone call because they don't get put across well that way. Find the thing that works for you. Find the type of communication that works for you. Find who you're trying to talk to. Because as you brought up before, if you're trying to reach Gen Y, LinkedIn, unless you're trying to reach Gen Y that is going into corporate for for some reason, probably not going to be on LinkedIn. Actually, really weird side note, but I just saw this recently and I was like, is that Gen Y and Gen Z are really prevalent on Pinterest all of a sudden? Like Pinterest is having a resurgence. Like she's back, girls. And I love Pinterest because there is an incredibly long shelf life on Pinterest. With any type of social media, there is a half-life. What that half-life means is how long did the content you just put out actually get seen? by humans right right like how long will that social media algorithm push out the content you just put out and the stats are as usual rather depressing because for facebook instagram tiktok the shelf life on most content you're putting out is one to three days that's the average and they are different if you go to each social media but in general instagram facebook and tiktok have very short shelf life podcasts pinterest blogs, YouTube have incredibly long half-life. Those There's videos that people made 20, not literally 20 years ago. It feels like it. But 10 for sure. But 10 for sure that are still making people insane amounts of AdSense. Yes. Insane amounts of AdSense on YouTube are still getting thousands of views every single week. And the similar thing with Pinterest, there are blog articles that were blogged five, 10 years ago that are still being pushed on the main feeds because people are still clicking and engaging. And as soon as you have that engagement, it will continue to grow. The only light, I wouldn't really call it a downside. It is a downside for people just starting out, I think, sometimes because it's harder to stick with a platform where you're not seeing immediately immediate results. Mm-hmm. Though, um, honestly, if we're being really honest, immediate results isn't something that you should expect from any social media platform. Uh, But with Pinterest, similar to having a longer shelf life, which most a lot of times they'll say six months to a year on half life for Pinterest. I think that's like the biggest push, but it definitely goes way beyond that. But it can also often take about six months, three to six months to start seeing real traction there because you really have to do some back-end work to make sure people are starting to see your stuff. And you also Mm. have to figure out what works for your particular content. Right, You have to A-B test pins and and things like that. But I did think it was interesting that Gen Y is 
becoming a very heavy presence in the stats for Pinterest now, especially for fitness, beauty, and fashion. If you're Uh, in any of those niches, you need to be on Pinterest, dude. You need to be on Pinterest because those Gen Y people are starting to gain more and more buying power. But again, point is find something that works. Do just one. And I know people look at me like I have 100 eyes when I say this because it seems like the exact opposite of what everybody else is saying. Pick one. Do six months hardcore on it. One. Six months. Because if you're trying five, you're probably going to fail at five or fail at four if you're lucky. And you might really get it on the fifth one. But your attention is going to be divided. You're probably going to have animosity toward at least half of what you're trying. And it is a whole lot easier to stay momentum on just one thing. It's a whole lot easier to push through on just one thing. And that one thing depends on you, on your authority, on who you're trying to reach, how you're trying to reach them, what you're trying to sell, what you're trying to do. But it really is the thing that you have to work through the consistency. And I actually saw this post that I 100% agree with around consistency. Because as somebody with neurodivergence, a marketing professional telling me I need to be consistent is throwing acid in my face. Thank you. That's fucking never going to happen. So I'm really glad you said that to me because that makes me feel great inside. But what, and this plays into the authenticity piece, pushing your brand values and all the other things that we've been saying in this podcast, is that true consistency is with your messaging, not with how frequently you post. And when I saw that, I was like, a thousand and two hundred percent. That is the thing. If you are not able, because of your brain, to be consistent time-wise, be consistent messaging-wise. That is yeah. 10 times more important than the consistency with the time-wise. Um, I agree. Do we have anything so, else to say about that? I don't know. I think the main point there is you need to know yourself and you need to be able to learn to speak to your higher self and really get that, that nudge as to mm-hmm. what is best for you. And I think going into marketing term for a minute, your USP, which is your unique proposition, basically, it's your unique service proposition, your unique something proposition. But it's but whatever makes you different than your competition is really what it means. And honestly, I think the main thing, especially as we move forward, is who you are. It's your unique selling. That's it. Unique selling proposition. There you go. Your unique selling proposition is always going to be who you are, your experience, and how you flavor things. And if you aren't letting your freak flag fly on social media in some way, shape, or form, and aren't giving people weird facts about you, and being honest and being authentic and being maybe even a little bit raw, then they're not really going to be able to see that USP. Because I, I think the biggest thing when people hear you are the unique selling proposition is they don't understand how to show that. Or they think like just showing up and turning the video camera on is showing that, but it's really not. You need to figure out who you are. Those brand values, your messaging, your brand mission, and then you can very clearly see, okay, like my unique thing is X, Y, Z. And I need to make sure that every post I put out really illustrates that. 
And some of it can be visual. You see a lot more women businesses like rocking the pink because they just don't care anymore if people think that they're silly or goofy or cutesy or they have a whole bunch of comic paraphernalia behind them because that's where their interests are. I think it's really important to like lean into those things. There's a designer pricing coach, very specific niche that I follow, that her entire personality is baking. She makes it work. She uses puns for everything. She uses food, iconography. Everything is food related. She's not a chef. She doesn't sell food. She makes it work in what she does. And it's adorable. And it's very eye-catching. It like really sets her apart. To think about, but if you're hearing things like you need, and, and I honestly, people that say you need or you won't ever blank unless you blank or you'll never be successful if x any of those statements i think are bullshit through and through especially yeah. if you're in the spiritual realm because it really is about your energy it is i have seen coaches build to a million dollars that didn't get a website until they were mm-hmm. already at a million dollars which by the way don't do that that's really she'd probably be at yeah. a billion by now if she had gotten her website earlier and it was really frustrating to find out her pricing and get a hold of her. So don't do that. She succeeded despite, honestly. But could do it. You could do it. And I've seen people build their business completely off Facebook. Is that something I recommend? Of course not, because you don't actually own your audience there. And that's a super unstable place to build your business on. But people have done it. Um, and anytime I hear you can't build a business if you blank, if you don't have a website, if you don't aren't on social media. Right. There are still people that don't have websites that have successful businesses that cover their expenses Mm -hmm. and some. We're in an area where it's hilarious how many people don't have websites, but they're doing okay. Again, is it something I recommend for best practice? No. But can you do it without it? Yeah, you can. It's not necessarily the path of least resistance, which is, of course, what we push. Path of least resistance, in my opinion, definitely involves a website and definitely involves social media presence of some kind. For best practice. But if, depending on what you do, you could make it organic. You could make it person to person. I do think that would be the harder way of doing it, most things now. But you can do it. And so I hate seeing people go, you can't do it if you're not on every new social media platform that pops up every Tuesday. You can't do it unless you hire help right out the gate. You can't do it unless you spend $20,000 in coaching. A big one if you're a coach. You can't charge clients a price higher than what you've paid for in coaching. I've heard that bullshit. Which, like, basically, like, you can't make it unless you can stand on one foot and pat your head and rub your belly at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It won't work. (laughs) While posting on Instagram. (laughs) While posting on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, it's just those things frustrate me because I think we should be teaching people how to work with their brains, how to work with who they are, and how to be Mm -hmm. successful in who they are. I don't think the answer is changing everything about you in order to be successful because I don't think you'll be successful if you do. Mm -mm. You won't. You really won't. You might have money in your account. You might be on a boat. You might be in Tulum, but that doesn't mean you're successful. If you're burnt out, yeah, if you're burnt out and your body's failing you because you've been hustling and burning for so long, yeah, that's not success. And this is no. something I r- will close out with this. 
is the way you build your business is the way you have to sustain your business. True. I won't sleep until I reach 10K a month. I won't rest or get a massage. I won't have any self-care time. I'll eat ramen noodles and plain water uh, until I puke because this is what building a business is and 200 hours a week, whatever. That's what it's going to take to keep that money rolling in. Mm -hmm. So when you hit that initial target, your dream target, you're going to want to die. You're going to want to quit everything and become a monk. Your body is going to be breaking down. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be tired. You are probably going to be sick. And you're going to wonder, how the fuck do I get past this now? How do I move forward? Because I can't keep doing this. Right. The way you build is the way you sustain is the way you're going to live moving forward. If you can't handle that speed for the rest of your life or the rest of your work life, don't do it now. And sure, you can outsource when you have more money, but those needs and those demands are going to keep growing on your time. And if you don't prioritize your well-being now, it is going to be much harder to prioritize it moving forward. And especially depending on your energy type, the burnout could be absolutely devastating for you. I'm talking to you projectors specifically. You might be able to hustle and push like you're a generator for a certain amount of time, but the fall off is going to be massive. And that's where you could be struggling with bankruptcy, full crash. I know we had a very abrupt awakening in that regard. So if you listen to one thing in this podcast, it's you need to build in a way that is sustainable, which is another major brand value of ours is what is sustainable. Path of least resistance is always going to be sustainable because path of least resistance means you have energy left over for other things that are important to you and Mm -hmm. other things that give you more energy. Path of least resistance is always going to be the most sustainable way to move forward. And in alignment with your energy type, your authority, your strategy. Um, So really look at what you're hearing people give you advice on and make sure, is that sustainable? Is that something I can keep up? Is it something I'd want to keep up? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that is the pet peeve episode (laughs) of the (laughs) podcast around doing the most, because I just, I really don't think that is the way to success. I think being targeted and purposeful and authentic is what's going to pay off for you. And whatever that looks is going to be very specific to you. And if you want more information about your human design and how that might be playing into your business and how that could potentially affect what marketing strategy you're thinking of, you can book online readings with us. That link will be in the show notes. If you just want a free chart, that link will also be in the show notes. And we will be talking to you next week. Yeah. And you'll be seeing our faces again, too. (laughs) Super exciting for every single one of you. Again, unless you're listening on on an actual podcast app, and then it, it won't matter to you. But still, we'll see you next time. And thank you so much. And if you do get a chance, please review, follow, subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. It helps us get seen by more eyes and more people so that we can help more people. If you have time and would do that, we would be very grateful. And we will speak to you next week.